Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. And today we are beginning a brand new series called Overcomer. And if you live long enough, it doesn't take us long to figure out that there's a lot of tough things in this life. There are a lot of things that we face uh, that are tough. There are a lot of things that keep us from becoming the people that we want to become. There are a lot of things that keep us from becoming the people that God wants us to become as well. And the reality is that we all have something from our past that we need to overcome. And yet, for some reason, it seems really tough for us to be able to overcome those things. And yet, that's when God steps in. God steps in, and he says that we are an overcomer if you are in Christ. And you are an overcomer because he is in you. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, because greater is he that is in you. And if you are not a Christ follower, I don't know if you know this, but he wants you to be an overcomer as well. And he wants to come into your life just as much as he is in a Christ follower's life as well. Because he doesn't want this world to overcome us. Now, just before Christmas, we did a series called Pick a Fight. And in that series, one of the messages we focus on is what stops us from becoming like Christ. And what we learned is that often it's ourselves. And the same principle applies to anything that we want to become in life. Whether you want to become a Christ follower or not, we are the ones who get in the way of becoming what we desire. It's ourselves. Now, back in the day when I was in middle school, I wanted to become a volleyball player. And so the first year that I could try out, um, I ended up not trying out because I thought I wasn't very good. And so the year went by and another year came. And so I wanted to try out and all my friends were like, man, you are good. You need to try out. And again, I thought I wasn't very good. And so I allowed that uh, lie to be rooted into my life. And I worked myself up so much that I made myself sick so that I wouldn't be able to try out. And I had an excuse. Now, the third year came around with the help of some others. I actually tried out. And as I was trying out, the coach came up to me, and he was the coach of the high school as well. And he said, Tim, where have you been the last two years? You are amazing. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to tell him where I've been, you know, because I was ashamed. You know, the reason that I hadn't enjoyed the sport that I loved was because of myself. And so I know that seems kind of small, but in reality, that's really tough for me to share about. It's tough for me to share about from my past because for two years, I didn't enjoy the sport that I love to play because of me. And we all face those types of things. We all have that in our lives as well. And so even now, that kind of touches upon the direction that I want to go and take us today. There are many things from our past that keeps us from doing the things that we want to do. There are many things that we experience, many events that transpire in our lives that keep us from becoming the people that we want to become. There are many moments that we wish we had a do-over or we wish that would have never happened to us because it doesn't allow us to become or to have the life that we want to have in those moments because we all have a past And there are things that are keeping us from becoming what we desire. There's something that has held us or is holding us back. Now, don't answer this out loud, but what is that? What from your past is holding you back? 
What from your past has held you back? What from your past is holding you back from becoming the person that God wants you to become? Now, for some of us, we've wrestled with that a lot. And here's the ways that we don't overcome our past. Some of us think that we are just worthless. Someone told us something and we just kind of bought into what they were telling us. Someone told us that maybe that we will never amount to anything. Or maybe someone told us that we will never get it right. Or maybe someone told us that we weren't worth spending any time with. And they continue to say it over and over into our lives until we just thought it was normal. Until we started to buy into what they were saying. Or for some of us, there have been moments in our lives where we're just like very doubtful of ourselves, doubtful of our abilities, doubtful of um, what we think we look like or uh, who we think we are. And so someone comes along and we just want their approval. So we ask certain questions without them knowing these questions and we want them to answer this question of, are we good? You know, can I make it? You know, are we good looking? Um, Will they spend time with us? Will they want to say to us potentially that they love us? And in some moment, someone dashed us. Like we looked to them for approval and in a moment they didn't give us that approval. They rejected us. They told us something else and devastated us. They didn't like the way that we looked or they didn't like the way that we act or they didn't say that they loved us. And it sent us into a tailspin and it still impacts us today. Or for some of us, there's something that had, has happened in our past at the hands of someone else. Someone did something that stole something from us. Someone did something that can never be repaired. And so we just grow up never trusting someone And so for many of us, we've tried many different things for many different years to overcome our past. Some of the things that you and I have tried, some of us have just said, you know what, I'm not going to remember my past. I'm just going to deny it. And for some of us, the way that we've tried to cope with our past is simply to say, you know what, Um, I'm just going to stuff these emotions. I'm not going to let them surface. But yet something comes up in our worlds that reminds us of the past and we start to tear up. And someone says, hey, are you okay? But yet we say, nah, we brush it off. We're okay. We're fine. And we keep moving on. Or for some of us, we just get involved in the pace of this life. And we just continue to proceed and continue to go on. Or we buy into the vices that this world has to offer. And we try to drown out our past with the vices of this world. And here's the deal. We've tried to overcome our past but yet the past still remains there. And I know that a lot of us have gone through some very tough things, me included. And I know it can be overwhelming to talk about. And I know that there are emotions that are stirred up because we don't like to dwell on the past. We don't like to dwell on things that have ruined us or that have wrecked us. But yet, as we unpeel some of those things, what happens is memories come pouring back in and we don't like it, and we feel very uncomfortable. But I want you to hang in there. I want you to, I want, God wants you to stay in this today, okay? Because here's what he wants you to know. He wants you to know that you matter. You matter to him. You are not defined 
by your past. He wants to set you free. He wants you to be an overcomer. So that's where we're heading today. And I want you to just pay attention because this is life-changing. What we are going to examine is the root issue of why we do not overcome our past. Now, it's not like everything's going to be resolved after this mention, this message. There will still be a tension, but you understand the first step of the process with overcoming your past. And you will understand what it is that God wants you to set you free from. And so today we're going to examine someone, someone who became an overcomer with God's help. And so if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. And if you are using one of the Bibles in the back, um, it is on page 44. Uh, If you have a smartphone, feel free to use, if you have a Bible app on that. If you don't have a Bible, just steal your neighbor's Bible or their phone. They won't mind at all, okay? We share here at Epic. Um, Just don't take their wallets, okay? But anyways, go ahead and turn to Exodus uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Now, before we dive in, I'm going to give a little quiz, okay? It's an easy quiz, all right? So, what Bible movie did Charlton Heston star in? Okay, there we go. Come on. Yeah, Ten Commandments, all right? By a raise of hands, how many of you have ever seen the Ten Commandments or the Prince of Egypt? Okay, a lot of you have, all right? Well, today we're going to look at a snapshot of the life of Moses. And Moses was born in a time where his people were enslaved by the Egyptians. And the Egyptians, they were afraid of the the Hebrews because they were like multiplying like rabbits. And they thought, "Uh uh-oh, watch out, here they come. They're going to, you know, rise up and overtake us. And so... In order to deal with the Hebrews, they started to put male children to death, male babies. And so at that time, Moses' mother, he was just born, had this clever idea. She said, you know what, I'm going to put him in a basket. I'm going to put him in the Nile River near the shore where this Egyptian princess comes to bathe. And I'm hoping that she will take pity on this baby and take him in. And so sure enough, everything happens. And the plan works really well. In fact, the Egyptian princess, unbeknownst to her, hires Moses' mother to nurse the baby, which is amazing, okay? And so here's Moses who gets to be raised by his own mother for a a few years or several years and learn about his Hebrew roots, learn about God, and then is turned over to this Egyptian princess to become her son. Now, if you become a son of an Egyptian princess, you are in line for potentially the throne to become a pharaoh. So he receives a royal education. He learns so much about the sciences, about mathematics, about the law, anything that the Egyptians knew, he started to learn those things. He even learned how to fight, hand-to-hand combat, military tactics, the whole military history of Egypt as well. In some other extra-biblical accounts, there's even a potential that Moses led a campaign, a military campaign against the Ethiopians. So no matter what you believe about Moses, the fact is that the Egyptians uh, highly respected him when he became 40 years old. They thought, man, this guy is something else, and he was primed for the throne. But what the Egyptians did not know is that he never forgot who he was, that he was a Hebrew, and he had a plan to free his people 
And he thought God wanted him to do that. And he thought he was ready to do that. So that's where we're diving in today. So let's pick up with this 40-year-old prince of Egypt when he makes his move in verse 11 of chapter two in Exodus. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During this visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all the directions to make sure no one was watching and consulting God, no, doesn't say that, After looking in all the directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. So here's Moses taking this tour, making an analysis of the condition of his people, uh, seeing how they're being treated, and he's trying to make this plan on what would he do if he were to free his people, how would he do that? And we know that because, man, the Hebrews were like rabbits, okay? It's not like he had never seen a Hebrew, okay? He had seen many of his own people. But the language here indicates that he went out with a purpose, a purpose to make a plan, a purpose to free his people in that moment. And I'm sure, put yourself in his shoes. As you're out there, examining what's happening, looking at your people, seeing how harshly they're being treated as slaves, it starts to really, really impact him. And he gets emotional. And he starts to say, oh my goodness, look at what's been happening in my lifetime, in these 40 years to my people. And so all of a sudden he sees this Egyptian taskmaster beating one of his people and he takes action into his own hands. He takes matters into his own hands. He doesn't consult God. Instead, he acts and he pounces. Now, we know that he did this on his own because he hid what he did, right? And we've all been there. When we've acted on our own, we try to cover things up. There's moments where we've tried to bury parts of our past as well. And what happens when we try to conceal things, especially the things that we've done wrong, they usually come to surface, they usually come to light, we usually get caught, you know? By a raise of hands, how many of you have ever tried to conceal something and been caught? Yeah, if you're not raising your hand, you're lying, you've been caught, okay? So anyways, yeah, we've all been caught, you know? No matter how much we try to cover up our past, we've been caught. And Moses thought he wasn't gonna get caught, but yet, It happens to him sooner than he thinks. Now, continuing in verse 13, the next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. So here's Moses going out the next day, probably thinking to himself on his chariot, man, it's begun. You know, things are going to go well. I'm going to gain the influence and the trust with my people. They're going to want to make me their hero. They're going to make me want to make me their champion. You know, once I get them to believe into me, then man, we're going to take out the Egyptians. And so he's thinking to himself, he's pretty confident, and he sees this skirmish between two Hebrews, and he's like, you know, I, I'm the hero, I'm, I'm the rescuer, let me go solve this over here. So let's see how they respond to him instead. So, verse 13, why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to one who had started the fight? The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Wow. Have you ever had like the wind knocked out of you? That's what happened to Moses in this moment on multiple levels, okay? First, he thinks like he's gonna be like the deliverer of his people, and here's this man who just like disrespects him, who says pretty much, hey, you know, who made you our prince and judge? And then to make matters even worse or to add insult to injury, the man utters the secret that Moses had tried to conceal. 
And I think Moses kind of had thought prior to this, you know, if this thing kind of surfaces, it'd probably be good because then people will see that I'm against the Egyptians and they'll rally to me. Well, they don't, okay? So Moses is scared to death. He doesn't know what's gonna happen. And here's what happens to him. Continuing verse 14. Then Moses was afraid thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened. And he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So here's Moses, and he did the thing that we all would have done. He ran, okay? He tried to escape. He tried to escape from the consequences of his choices. He tried to escape from the people who did not believe in him. He tried to escape from those who wanted to kill him. And he ran to a place where nobody knew who he was. No one knew what he had done. He goes to Midian, and probably on the way to Midian, he's thinking to himself, man, I am finished. I have failed my people. I have failed God. I have messed up. I will never, never, never be used by God. I am useless. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought that you're useless when you've done something that you perceive is against God? Have you ever thought that you've let down God and now you consider yourself useless? Do you know what that is? That's a lie. And a lie always tries to steal our future and stops us from overcoming our past. It always tries to steal our future, and it always stops us from overcoming our past. Lies never lead to anything good. Lies never leave anything good except for wounds. And God doesn't want that for you, and he didn't want that for Moses. He wanted to set Moses free from those lies. But what did Moses do? Moses ran. He ran, and he chose to believe in these lies. For 40 years, at the age of 40, from 40 to 80, he spends his entire life of those years in Midian. He marries a Midianite. He takes care of her father's sheep. How would you like to work for your father-in-law? He doesn't even, like, in 40 years, get his own sheep, okay? Instead, he works for his father-in-law for 40 years. That's the low point that Moses had reached, And the only thing he was leading was a bunch of sheep to grass. And that was it. But yet, in those desert moments is when God approaches us. And I don't want you to miss this, okay? We're going to turn to Acts chapter 7 because I loved how it's framed there. It's going to be up on the screens. Don't worry about that. But I don't want you to miss on how God approaches us. Listen to this in Acts chapter 7 verse 30. Forty years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. You know why Moses couldn't look at God? It's because he believed in lies. Lies like, I'm a failure, I'm no good, 
What do I have to offer? I deserve to be alone. You've got the wrong guy. My past will always haunt me. God, why now? Why are you coming to me? I'm useless. And here's the problem. Here's the root of the issue that stops us from overcoming our past. The root issue is that we believe in lies from ourselves about what we did or what happened to us. Let me say that again. We, the root issue is that we believe in lies that we have said to ourselves about what we did or what happened to us. I know there are some painful moments of what we've done or what happened to us, but in order to overcome our past, we have to not buy in to the lies. Lies like this, I have no future. Life will never be good again. I am not normal. I will never be able to do something. Or lies like, no one can ever love me the way that I am. I am useless. And you see, when you believe in lies, this is what happens. When you believe in a lie, then you allow your past to overcome you. Now, it might surprise you, but for most of my life, I actually didn't want to become a pastor, okay? For most of my life, uh, that's not what I wanted to do. And so after I graduated with my degree in teaching from my undergrad, you know, I finally warmed up to the idea of becoming a pastor. So I went off to seminary to become a pastor. And so while I was in seminary, I got kind of confident. I thought, man, I'm pretty good at this. You know, I'm like, you know, acing all the tests and doing all these things and stuff like that. And so when it was time to go like look at uh, a church to get involved with, I had many different opportunities to look at. And yet, for some reason, for some small reason, I didn't get accepted. Nothing came up. And it was time for me like, to get a job, okay? And so at that point uh, in my life, I didn't become a pastor. Uh, at that point, uh, school had already started, so I couldn't get a job as a teacher. And so I took a position as an executive assistant in the business world for five years, okay? And during those years, I asked God, God, what are you doing? What are you having me do? Like, I worked my way up in that business, but it was like, I thought you had other plans. Like, I thought I was ready to become a pastor. I was kind of finally there, you know? Like, God, come on, get on board with me here. I felt like a failure, you know? I felt like, what in the world? You know, what's wrong with me? And I started to believe in lies. And what made matters worse is that as I spent that time in that desert, that there were some things that kind of surfaced up in my life like, you know what, I, I'm so passionate about serving God, but there's a part of me that really wants to be in the limelight. And that was hard to discover. And that was something that was like, oh, that's not good. And so I got down, real down. But yet, God came into my life and he pursued me. And he helped me work through some of the lies during those five years that uncovered some things that would prepare me for ministry and prepare me for becoming a pastor. And that's what he wants to do in your life as well. He wants you to come out of those desert moments. He wants to meet you in those desert moments and whisper something to you. God never forces himself upon us. It usually begins with a whisper. It usually begins with someone coming into our lives and telling us something. It usually begins with him sending a message into our lives that we need to hear. 
Because God doesn't want us to be depressed. He doesn't want us to loathe and self-pity. He doesn't want us to carry the heavy burdens that we're carrying in life. He wants to set us free. He wants us to be overcomers. He wants to give you a future. He wants to give us a hope. That's what he wants to do in our lives. He wants to see us to be uh, uh, overcomers. And so let's see how God approaches Moses at this point in the story. So watch this in verse 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. You know, I love what God says to Moses in that moment as Moses is just like looking down in the ground. He says for him to take off his sandals. In essence, he's saying to Moses, Moses, leave your past. Stop buying into the lies. Come near to me. I'm not mad at you. You think I'm mad at you. You think you are a failure. You think that you are useless. Moses, stop believing in those lies. I never see anyone as useless. I never want anyone to be defined by lies because I am the God who defines you. I am the God who defines people. And you, I love. And he loves to restore people He loves to restore people that he has made into masterpieces to be the masterpiece that they should be. That's how much he loves us. That's what he wants to do in our lives. Do you know what God wants to do in your life? He wants you to come close to him. He wants you to leave your past behind. He wants you to stop believing in the lies that are holding you back as well. That's what he wants to do in our lives as well. So how do we overcome our past? Well, it starts with identifying the lies that we have bought into. So let me ask you a question. Don't answer this, but what's the lie that you've bought into? What's the lie that has defined you up until this point? What's the lie that God wants to take away from you in order to set you free? And there's a number of types of lies that we buy into. And so we're going to put some of these lies that we put, that we believe into up on the screen. And I want you just to, as I read them, reflect upon them and identify maybe a lie that you've been buying into. And so the first ones, they tell us that we are worthless. Lies like, I will never be anything. I will never get it right. I am not worth spending any time with. I am not normal. And then there's lies that tell us the way that we should be treated. Okay, no one will ever tell me I love you. Or lies like, I am not good enough, I am not smart enough, I will never be attractive, no one will ever want to be with me, no one will tell me I love you. And then there's lies that we believe that we can never change. And here's some of them. Lies like, it was my fault they left, I should have never gone, I was asking for it, I can never have my life back. I can never trust anyone again. You know, we have to identify the lies that are in our lives. That's the first step. And when you identify the lies that are in your life, you have to replace it with truth. And see, God is the source of all truth. And he said a lot of things about you and he wants you to memorize the thoughts that he has thought for you, the things that he has planned for you. 
And so some of the things that we need to dwell on are you are a new creation. The new has come. The old has gone. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he also says, I am deeply loved by God and I am completely forgiven. And the importance of knowing the truth is there are gonna be tough times that come up in our lives, okay? It's just a matter of fact, it's gonna happen. And in those times, instead of leaning upon ourselves like Moses did, we need to lean upon God in those moments. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so God wants us, in order to overcome our past, we need to believe in the truth that he has said about us instead of believing in the lies that we have believed about ourselves. That's how you overcome your past. That's the first step. That's how we begin the journey to overcoming our past. And that's what God desires for you, and that's what he desires for all of us. And see, if you look back at Moses' story and see what happens, or basically uh, before that, you know, there are moments where we still get overwhelmed with our past. And I don't want to make light of it, but there are some things that are very complex about the lies that we believe in. And there are some times there it's great to start to identify those lies, but now we've got to do something else to help us overcome those things. And that's why we've partnered with a ministry called Lifeline. It's a Celebrate Recovery ministry. And they are there to help you to identify the lies that are in your lives, to uproot them, to help you become the person that God wants you to become and to replace those lies with truth. Because God designed us to be in community with one another. And part of the way that we can identify lies is by being around people who are like-minded, who care and love us. And so that's what God wants for each of us. There may be some times it would probably be beneficial for all of us to go through this and to uproot the lies that are in our lives together at some point. That's why we surround ourselves. That's why we believe in community groups so much. Now, do you know what happened to Moses when he listened to God? In that moment, Moses began to believe God. And during a process, Moses was freed from the lies that he had believed in. And it's interesting that God would send him back to Egypt with the correct perspective this time, with Moses leaning upon God and doing some amazing things in Moses' life, but also in the lives of the Hebrew slaves. God uses Moses to help free his people. And so can you imagine if this was like the year where you decided I'm going to overcome my past? Can you imagine what would happen in your life and here's what would happen. He's made you to be an overcomer. He will be with you. He will be with you in your desert moments. He will be with you in your victories as well. And he will walk with you. And he will surround you with people who care about you just as much as he cares about you as well. And that's awesome. And so he desires to bring you hope and a future as well. And so what I want to do to kind of end the service is I want us to think upon the thoughts that God thinks about us. And so we're gonna play a video that's set to music with some words up on the screen. And you have some cards. And what I want you to do during this song is simply before the song begins, I just want you to ask God, God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to impress upon my heart that is the truth about me? And would you speak that? Would you speak that into my life this very moment.
And so um, on the other side of the card is the series that we're in, the main verse that we are using. And so I want you to memorize that verse. And I want you to believe in that verse because greater is he that is in you. And together, he wants to see you overcome the things of your past. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are great and mighty, that you never leave us alone, that you never forsake us no matter where we are at. You can meet us in the desert times. You can meet us in our victories. You can meet us in every area of our lives. And no one else can do that. You know what you need to say to our hearts in this moment. And so, God, would you speak into our hearts? Would you say the truth that we need to hear today? And would it be the beginning, the first step to overcoming our past? And God, thank you for surrounding us with people. You never intended us to do this thing on our own. And so, God, maybe that's part of us that we need to join a group. We need to get involved with other people to help us in our journey. And so we thank you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Latch on to that. Latch on to God and what he has said about you. You are an overcomer. Your past does not define you. And he wants to set you free. And if you're struggling with that, then man, get involved. Get involved in one of our group environments. Get involved in Lifeline because God wants you to be free. So thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed it and say hi to somebody on your way out. And thanks again for being here and we'll see you next week. All right, everybody, good morning. Well, wait a second. There's like five of you awake. Good morning. Good morning. All right, all right. You're here alive and well. Glad that you're here with us today. Uh, if you are a guest with us, we would love for you to stop by our Connection Center before you leave today. We would love to meet you personally. We'd love to give you some information about our church family, maybe answer any questions that you may have. So before you leave, stop by our Connection Center and, and talk to someone there. A uh, few announcements I have for you today, and then we'll dive into today's message. Now, I'm on next Sunday, we're going to start our two-week fast together. It's something that we've done. One person is really excited. That is oh, it's awesome. That's fantastic. That's great. All right, it comes up every year, and I'm like, Lord, it's here again. It's time to fast. Wow, I can't wait. Fasting is an incredible opportunity for us to grow our relationship with God. So if you're new to fasting, here's what it's all about from a biblical perspective. Fasting is when we set aside some type of food item in order to grow our relationship with God. So as you look in the Bible, fasting always revolved around giving up food. Now, you may be thinking, why in the world would anyone ever want to give up food? The idea behind that is where we say, listen, Lord, I'm willing to give up what sustains me physically to get more of who sustains me spiritually. I'm willing to set aside food. You know, food's so important, like we need it for regular survival. I'm willing to set that aside for a portion of time in order to grow my relationship with God. Now, there's many ways that you can go through a fast. There's some people who give up food altogether during that time frame. Um, I would encourage you, if that's something you feel led to do, um, really pray about that and, and maybe talk to your doctor. Make sure that your body's ready for that. It's a, it's a big deal. I've done it before. Um, but there are other things that you can do. You can give up a specific meal. You know, some people say, you know, I'm going to give up breakfast. 
um, each, each day throughout this time frame. Or I'm going to give up a specific uh, type of food. For me, if I haven't eaten meat at a meal, I haven't eaten yet. Like, when, like we, hey, have a big salad. It's not enough. Like I get to the end and it's not enough. I'm ready for, for lunch or dinner, whatever, whatever that is. So part of what I'll be doing will be I'm going to be giving up meat during um, my fast. And so you can give up a dessert item. The, the idea is that you pick something that you eat on a regular basis. And if it's something you have once a month, it's two weeks. Like you can like blow past it and never even know that it was there. So if it's something that you eat on a regular basis, you'll know it when you set it aside and say, God, I'm setting this thing aside to focus on my relationship with you. Now, if you're new to the concept of fasting, would like to get more acquainted with that, go to our website, theepicchurch.com. There is a resource on there called our Fasting Preparation Guide. That'll help everyone, whether you're new to it or not. That'll help all of us get better acquainted with the ways that we could walk through this fast and how God might want us to do that. So we need to decide what we're fasting from and then what we're fasting for. So there's something in your life that you would say, God, I really want to hear from you on this. I need a breakthrough in this area. Uh, I, I need some direction, whatever. There are many ways that we can run through a fast in asking God what we're fasting for. So decide what you're fasting from, decide what you're fasting for, and then I encourage you to decide to fast for someone else. How encouraging it would be if someone came up to you and said, listen, for two weeks, every day, I'm praying for you. And guess what? I'm giving up this food item as a part of my fast for you so that you can see God do something miraculous in your life. So decide someone else that you want to fast for throughout this fasting experience. Now, uh, another announcement for us. Next week, we're going to have an information meeting after both of our services for our summer international mission trips. All right, this is where we go to Guatemala. Um, we're going to go two times this year. That's a partnership that we've had over the past few years. And uh, we, we love going there. And we're watching God do even more on each trip that we take. And so we're excited to go back. We want everybody connected with our church family to go on at least one international mission trip in your lifetime. And there are some of you who have been thinking, ah, like, maybe I should go. Like, no, I'm, I'm not so sure. Like, I don't have the money for that. Most people who are, are um, deciding whether to go or not are often decide not to because they think they don't have the money. Now, we will talk to you about that on the journey as we're getting prepared for that, give you some ways that you can raise the money during that time frame. So don't allow that, that money obstacle to be the thing that holds you back. There are a lot of people who are like, I'm just not so sure. And then they take that step and they're so glad they did. So I hope this will be the year for you that you'll, you'll take that step. Now, if you're a little skeptical, I've got a friend of mine that's gonna come today and share with us a little bit about his journey. He was a little skeptical at first. Listen to my friend, Joe. I, uh, I was thinking about it a year prior and didn't go. And then had a big thing in my head just saying, you gotta go. So I went. <laughs> There's a lot of fears. Going with a bunch of people that I don't know. Um, I'm usually sticking to myself and then here we are, 17 people just going on an international trip. Um, and then the other fear was, is it gonna be a big kumbaya type of thing? Is it gonna be sit around, hold hands, over, under, what are we doing, what am I, <laughs> you know? So, there's a couple fears. It was very, um, very eye-opening. A lot of, lot of bonding. 
we all gelled. Everyone from all walks of life, from everything. I mean, it was just, everyone got along really good. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun. That's all I can say about it. Coming home and explaining to my kids what I did. Um, they continue to ask me about it uh, to this day. Hey, Dad, how about Guatemala? Um, and my daughter asked, what did you do? And I told her I played with some kids and ran around, and she's like, Dad, I bet you they had a lot of fun. I said, yeah, babe, they did. You're able to give them homes, you know? I mean, that's, we take that for granted, and they need that down there, you know? Um, a lot of them didn't have toothbrushes. We went and got toothbrushes for these, these the, one, the, the one family, and the two kids were kind of fighting. That's my toothbrush, no, that's my toothbrush. You know, it's, it, to be able to bring that, and their, their, Dining room table is a plastic table with four plastic chairs. I have that out back, you know? I mean, so to able to at least give that to them so they have someone to sit down as a family and eat, that was nice. Well, it's it, everything that you think it is in your head, it's not. So especially if you have reservations like I did. So I had, again, I had a lot of fun. We had a great, great group of people. So these trips are all about bringing hope to people in Guatemala, I mean, they need hope down there, and we can bring it. So, yeah, so Joe was very skeptical at first, and then he was one of the ones going, hey, let's do the kumbaya thing. You know, he loved it so much. It was great. He was like, hey, let's hold hands. That's cool. Sorry, he wasn't. He did not say that at the end. Love to have you a part of our, our summer mission trips. After the service next week, um, we'll have information meetings. Applications are due January 31st. You can find those online at theepicchurch.com. Now, for those of you who may be interested in your next step on your journey here at Epic and maybe getting plugged into community, it's a big value of ours. We have a, a group called Starting Point that we recommend for everybody. So if you're new to our church family, you've been here a little while, haven't gotten connected one of our small groups, Starting Point is the place for you. It's a 10-week conversational environment where you can learn the story of God and you can get better acquainted with people here at Epic. So we'd love to have you a part of that. On January 26th, we'll have a short information meeting after the services so you can find out more about that. You can also sign up. We have a table back here by our, our tech table before you leave. There's a table back there. You can sign up and express interest for that. For those of you who have been through Starting Point, we have Group Link is coming up on February the 9th. Now, Group Link is the place where you can come and meet some of our small group leaders and maybe decide that night that you want to get connected in one of our small groups. So we have men's groups, we have women's groups, we have couples groups. So we've got several opportunities for you to get connected relationally at our church. Again, high value for us, for us to learn how to do life together. So February 9th, you can sign up at the table or you can go online at the Epic Church and sign up there as well. Now, something we talk about every week here is this thing called giving. And uh, we so appreciate how you partner with us to, to reach our community for Christ. And something that God's called us to do is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And it takes all of us doing that. And if you want to give of your time and talents, uh, we encourage you to stop by our Connection Center and find out a way you can get plugged in serving here. If you want to give of your financial resources... You can do that in two ways. One, at our giving boxes. We've got giving boxes at the back of each section. And then you can go online at theepicchurch.com and you can give online as well. Now, today we're starting a new series called Overcomer. And the reality is that all of us have something we need to overcome in life. 
And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start in our Overcomer series. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the reality that you see us differently than the way we often see ourselves. Lord, we all have something that we need to overcome. There's something that holds us back from growing to be the people that you desire us to be. So Lord, I pray that today and through this series and through the fast that we're gonna do, that we would see ourselves as overcomers because that's how you see us. Guide us today, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.